Welcome to the Fitfiliate Podcast, where with honesty and transparency, we talk about all things fitness, coaching, and gym ownership, so that you can feel less crazy and frustrated and alone, while you also find more freedom and make more money. And welcome to a shiny new episode of the Fitfiliate Podcast, as, as Chuck's wrangling his dogs. And uh, we are privileged today to be joined by Pat Barber, as well as Tony, who's throwing something across the room. And uh, Chuck, how are we all, gentlemen? Super good. Two thumbs up. But if I did two thumbs up, I'd drop my laptop. So thumbs up verbally. So many thumbs up. Sounds like he's watering the yard. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> or just walking through a pile of leaves. He's like, you know what? Yeah. This is the first time I'm going to talk, I'm going to walk through a pile of leaves. This sounds like a good call. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We're always on a field trip with Charles. Other than that, everything is great. Still yeah, we regularly thing. regularly get a tour of his tour of his house. Yeah, like, come here. It's like an episode of what's that show? That ballers or something? We get to see Chuck's house. Um, it's most certainly so, not like ballers. <laughs> as we launch into this, we're we're excited to talk to you today, Pat. Um, for those that don't know, Pat is OG as they come in the CrossFit space. Done so many things, but your most recent project is with um, Atom Train Atom and. Uh, Adam Affiliate. So we'll mm-hmm. get into a little bit of that and uh, also about your uh, amazing perspective on coaching and the, the journey you've had in, in coaching as well as some of the OG stories I'm sure the boys will extract from you as well. So yeah. buckle in. Let's go, guys. Who's uh, well, who's kicking the shindig off? <laughs> I talked too much last time, apparently, so you can talk this time, John. <laughs> So full disclosure, we'd already recorded an episode and then like the internet kind of ate it. So if anything seems extra weird in this, like we're making references to stuff that nobody else is familiar with, now you've got the context and backstory. So I think um, what ended up being at least the thing from our, our own client calls that Tony and I had on the roster and kind of pieces that the community at large, at least in like the DMs I got that they would really be interested in exploring was kind of some of your coaching development. For and sure. we've kind of gone through a lot of backstory. And so maybe if you can just uh, reintroduce how you got into CrossFit and what that transition was like from you just as somebody doing the thing to being a part of the thing to guiding and mentoring and growing the thing. Like that was totally. really cool to hear. Totally. Uh, so uh, I got into CrossFit 18 years ago, uh, just as a high school senior, just randomly wanted to get fit for volleyball got into CrossFit and uh, just kind of at one point in time, quit my job working at a local restaurant and needed to go do something that day. So I went and trained. And at the time, Tony Budding, the original director of media was training and he's like, yeah, come train with me. So I trained with him. He asked me if I could hold a camera and I said, yes, I can. And so he was like, do you want to come fly around the country and film these seminars for this thing called CrossFit we're doing? And I was like, sure, man. Sounds great. He's like, I can't pay you, but you can fly for free and uh, I'll teach you how to edit video. I was like, great. So I started editing video um, and filming video and basically got to see all the best coaches in the world. Because back in the day at the level ones, uh, I don't know how if you guys remember this, but there was like specialists. They would all come in and teach their specialties. So Rob Wolf would come in and teach nutrition. You'd have Glassman teaching all the CrossFit stuff. You'd have Ripito teaching powerlifting. You had Bergner teaching Olympic weightlifting, you had Buddy Lee teaching jump rope. It was just like they would would all come in and they would deliver their specialty within the context of, you know, becoming more fit um, via CrossFit. And uh, so I I edited and filmed, I filmed all of those and would just sit and film every single lecture, every little thing, and then take that home and edit all that footage. And, you know, without me trying, the information was beat into my head. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, pretty ADD ridden individual. And it was just like repetition of like seeing it, watching it, living it, doing it, editing it, editing it again, editing it again, editing it again. It was just like, eventually someone would ask me a question and be like, well, I actually have the answer to that because I've heard these 12 people tell me that over and over again. And I'm not sure why right. I have the answer. Um, but that didn't make me a good coach. Uh, that that uh, just kind of gave me a foundation of seeing some of the best do what they could do. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going to try coaching. And I tried coaching. 
And I was really, really bad at it, like really, really bad at it because as an athlete, things came very easy. Um, so when I went to make other people do it, I was like, well, just, just do it, man. And, uh, I was not effective. And I think that's, that's just the reality of until you've coached, you're going to be bad yeah. at coaching. So I started, <laughs> I, started I started, uh, coaching and, uh, was pretty mediocre and, the process back in the day was you got given a time slot that nobody was coaching classes and you got to fill that time slot. So I brought in friends who would pay me in SpongeBob checks and I bought it, brought in random people who I could find on the street who wanted to come do fitness and uh, eventually slugged my way through being bad to being slightly mediocre to getting myself on staff um, in teaching CrossFit Level 1s in 2007. Uh, and then just kind of got the fast track of being around again, a bunch of really great coaches in an environment that was based on, on you do something and you get immediate feedback. So after every seminar, it was like, here's what you did. Well, here's what you did poorly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, right. which is brutal when you're getting it from like Dave Castro, and Nicole Carroll and Adrian Bosman yeah. and like all these people like constantly, <laughs> but you either die. Feedback. It's a, it's a pool. It was rough. Um, but you either die or you grow. And, and we, we, through that process, I, I be, refined my coaching ability. Um, and then eventually helped run multiple gyms out in CrossFit New Zealand, uh, CrossFit Santa Cruz here in Santa Cruz, then CrossFit New Zealand, and then moved back to Northern California to run NorCal CrossFit with Jason Kalipa. Um, and as Jason found new business, my responsibility was to, I guess it wasn't officially my responsibility, but we didn't have anybody whose responsibility it was to make it work. <laughs> so he would, he was tenacious with finding new business and he'd be like, this is the giant account we got. And then me and my wife would be like, okay, now what? And he'd be like, make it work. And we'd be like, okay. So we, we, we essentially had to develop systems for uh, coaching development and bringing on new people and, and that whole process. And, uh, created a whole bunch of coaching development systems as well as uh, tried a whole bunch of things out um, just because we didn't have a background in it. So we, we tried all these different methods and eventually found stuff that kind of worked. And then uh, had like, by the end of that, we had grown it to like 22 gyms around the world uh, with just in the Bay Area alone. We had like 70 coaches under, under our uh, direct coaching development and then eventually parted ways because uh, we disagreed on the purpose of business in a, a number of ways. Yeah. Um, and then we ran warm up and workout, my wife and I, uh, which was, uh, affiliate programming and lesson planning, which we had done for NorCal CrossFit to build that consistency across those 22 gyms. And we've run warm up and workout for till, till about last year. And then we got purchased by RPM <laughs> and they brought me in to essentially do a, uh, at home version of the best possible training we could with Adam. Um, so kind of Peloton-y, but way better because I'm very authentic. It's shot in one take and it's three people on screen just training. And we also have Adam Affiliate, which is our old warm-up and workout rolled into that. So that's the whole process. I'll go home now. It is perfect. Super and we're done. Yeah. Good chat. Well, follow-up uh, things in there, man. There's like there's a lot to digest through that story. Well, I'm glad that since yeah. we've explored it. I'm glad that we that actually that last one broke because there's one thing that you talked about in this one that you didn't talk about in the last one, which was that whole initial first process where yeah. you got basically thrown into the baggage hole and then basically <laughs> taken to all these seminars. The The reason why I think you're so fun to have on this is that there's not many OGs left, right? I mean, very few right. people get to have that shirt. Um, and I don't know as though that's like a rite of passage so much as it's just like where else do we go right like we just this is just home so like we've all kind of like <laughs> bastard stepchildren or all my friends are here kid. yeah so but i think there's so much of that those early days that so many new people don't know right like yeah. i take it for granted right for all of us on this call even lisa to some degree is like technically an og so like I just assume everybody grew up in the forum. Everybody was like those early days of the L1s when like no one knew what the fuck was going on. It was, was like, great. it was a free for all. Um, <laughs> but those are, that's, a, I never knew actually that you, I never knew that you got thrown on the plane to go video all those. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was like I'd never traveled at all in my life. And they were like, all right, every weekend we're going to go film these seminars. We're going to North Carolina this weekend. We're going to down south this weekend. We're going to Texas this weekend. And it was like, what an amazing opportunity, though, right? I mean, at the time, it probably was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. But like, and I'm sure I'm speaking for you, but the value that that had for like you were just saying, like just editing those videos. Oh, yeah. like at the time, I'm not sure you even probably like understood what it was, but now looking back, you're like, oh, that's a lottery ticket. Oh, it was huge. I mean, it was huge. I literally got to see the best at what they did do what they did over and over again, you know, and, and the process of editing video, like I kind of said earlier, is like you film it and then you search through it for a nugget and then you do it again to make that nugget smaller. Then you do it again to make it. So like one video you're seeing 15, 20 times as you're yeah. trying to find the thing that then goes into the social space. And I, I also happen to get like this kind of leg into what makes decent content as well. You know, like yeah. I, I, like I was forced to, cause I had no, and this was before social media was really a thing. We were posting on CrossFit.com. Yeah, I remember. So, and now we're in a, we're in a space where it's like, I have these random video editing skills, like, right. <laughs> like I, I never would have had those if I wouldn't have said yes right. to, yeah, let's fly around the country and do it. I'm like, great it's so cool I, I think i mean all of us probably mirror some of that journey all like chuck and i at least it's like so much of my crossfit experience is just right place right time and in a lot of that and and of course that we're building now we talked about this a little bit and i guess we'll dig into it too with you again uh, we talked about last time which was the positioning conversation like just the ability to get yourself and hold yourself in that regard to be invited into situations like that at the time you don't even really know what you're embarking on. And the next thing you know, you look back 10 years later and you're like, I literally have traveled the planet several times teaching people fitness things. Like I'm just me. What? Uh, thank you. Um, cool. I'm happy. I'm here. Um, the experience is cool. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting thing. I think there's um, a certain amount of willingness to say yes. And I think that that's what a lot of people lack is like, is that willingness to be like, yeah, I'll give it a shot, you know, and there's times in life where that's really appropriate. And there's times in life where it's not. And then there's right. also a period in life where you've got so much on your plate that saying yes, oftentimes is just not appropriate, you know, um, and you have to learn to say no, but like, that's down the road. I think especially when you're when you're in the, the grinding stages, like you just started, you know, you're, you're, you're getting into this coaching space, you're, you're looking at these opportunities, you say yes to everything, like, even if it's sketchy, like, that's, that's one of the things that my wife and I have done a good job with is like, we've been willing to say yes to almost anything, like things that are really scary, big life changes. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And you know, not all of those pan out. Some of them just, <laughs> like, we've had multiple failed businesses that we, we launched and we're like, this looks like a great call. Let's do this. And it just, you know, or relationships with, with other businesses that you're like, okay, this could be really cool. And you try it and it just doesn't work. Um, and that is a fine line because I think there's also there's just there's people who are takers out there who will just take 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 from you and they'll they'll never give back. Um, and I, I what was the Adam Grant's book? He's got that whole thing on givers, takers, and matchers. Yeah. So Adam Grant, that business um, coach, like he's like there's there's givers in the world, there's takers, and there's matchers. And most people are matchers. Like if you do something for them, they'll feel inclined to do it. Reciprocate, yeah. Yeah, they'll reciprocate. And then there's givers who like without thought of anyone else will just constantly give. And it's like what makes them happy. Um, but they don't re request anything in return. And then there's takers and takers are like, they'll they'll constantly take from you and there's never this thought of reciprocating that. And I think he was saying that most givers are either CEOs or they're bottom of the rung. And the-, the Not a lot in between. There's not a lot in between with the givers because the but but the separator separating factor is the ones who learn to say no. <laughs> they learn to find it when a taker goes to say say like take from them. They just like they do it one time and then they're like, oh no no, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> and they, yeah. they and the ones that don't learn to say no are the ones that end up bottom of the barrel at all times. So I kind of if anybody's you know, looking for the reference, it is give and take by is. Adam Grant. Yeah. So. And there's so much, there's so many good things to talk about. Uh, but like one thing I am really personally curious about, and it's something that you and I have talked on like face to face and on the phone a bunch, but I think it'd be cool to document this and we can get back to like more standard coaching development, business development. But have you ever played a game of telephone? 
Oh, yeah. Where, like, if I whispered something to Lisa, she whispered it to you, you whispered it to Tony, tried to tell it back to me, I'd be like, that's not what we were going to order for <laughs> dinner tonight at all. I don't know what you're right. talking about. <laughs> We've talked previously about how that's been kind of extrapolated out in our own community, that, like, the education that Glassman had originally intended to be distilled from the methodology, it's been replicated and repeated. Yeah. I couldn't even begin to answer how many times, so... As you see it now, what are maybe some of the pieces from like having been in those very early on seminars where it was everybody teaching their absolute expert secret sauce piece, but relative to really just like Glassman and the core methodology, yeah. what do you think the community is maybe missing or not paying attention to or has overlooked? Yeah. I mean, the big, the big in your face one that I see all the time is what our intention actually is. Like what, what do we stand behind and what, what is, what is the program of CrossFit here for? And I think what I see a lot of people arguing over is CrossFit's here for CrossFit's sake. Like CrossFit is constantly very functional movements executed at high intensity. And we're like, yeah, we stand behind CrossFit and CrossFit, 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 but my CrossFit's better than your CrossFit and you're not CrossFit and you're CrossFit. And like, I think I think that a lot of people have clung on to the either the name or the methodology as the right. reason that we're all here. When in reality, we're all here because of what CrossFit gives us, not because of what CrossFit is. And what CrossFit gives us is a very specific definition of fitness. So I think one of the things that's kind of been lost is is we're not pursuing CrossFit for CrossFit's sake. We're pursuing CrossFit for fitness's sake. So the lens that we have to view every, everything that we do in is what is this giving us? And is it giving us the most meaningful version of fitness that we can possibly have? So like, I'm not tied to my identity of doing X, Y, Z. I'm tied to my identity of what X, Y, Z gives me. And then I'm, yes. I'm far less, I'm far less, I guess, dogmatic about whether or not X, Y, Z is what it is and I'm more curious as to the outcome of it. So I think, I think this is especially prevalent when you see members at facilities being like, no, 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 no. This is what CrossFit is. <laughs> Strength plus no Metcon. Idea. Yeah, you, like, you have no idea. You should be really worried about what it's giving you in terms of a long-term fitness, not what you're doing on the daily. You at the affiliate should trust me as the coach to give you what you need with the larger vision of fitness being our goal. And I, I think that's hard within the member to coach space because members come with very specific goals. A lot of time they'll come in and be like, I want to lose weight or I want to get stronger or I want to run faster or whatever it is when, and, and you, and you don't need to give them a specific program to get them those things. You need them to be doing constantly, you need them to be doing CrossFit and right. mitigating injury risk and all these other things like in with and, and giving them time and consistency and a beautiful environment and all these other things. Um, so they come to you with specific goals, but you kind of have to validate that specific goal and then give them a generalized program <laughs> and allow them to meet their specific goal yes. and then round out their conscience. It's just like, I think the biggest thing that I, I see missed in that game of telephone is why we're actually all here. And, that's and exactly I love that. it yeah, it's, it's everybody caught up in the what versus the why of CrossFit because we all know what CrossFit is, right? It's the very functional movement, benchmarks, Fran, thrusters, etc. And everybody is so largely fixated on that distraction because that's really all what's are. They've all forgotten or maybe they never even knew why they were doing it to begin with, right? That You said identity a few times and I think that's the profound like differentiator the marker of success like you need to know who you are to know what you're going to do with this fitness and there's a lot of people who don't know who they are and frankly the idea of learning who they are it might be the thing that keeps them from learning who they are right to some degree like so they're like i don't know who I, so i'm just going to do more fitness and then they pour themselves in this idea of, of more distraction more competitive crossfit things of that nature but it is so it is so true that the thing that is is I don't want to say it's missing now, but it's definitely missing. I'm not sure it's like, I don't know if it's getting like taken away. It's just as we grow, as the, as the thing grows, it's so much easier to focus on the distractions of what, and it's so much harder to grasp that concept of why yeah. that it's very much, it's very easy.
Well, there's What's... there's a lot of depth there, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of layers, and I think that when you're first getting into it, like buzzwords and and high profile people are what you kind of you have to rely on. You have to rely on somebody saying like, before you truly take a truth in, you have to rely on somebody who you trust saying, this is what it is. And then you cling on to that truth. And then you have to kind of unpack it on your own. You have to experience it. You have to live it. You have to kind of do these things. And until that time happens, like where wisdom actually accumulates, you have to rely on other people. And with so many distractions and gurus and people trying to sell in, in all honesty, bullshit, bullshit. Like, you, like you, you, it's very hard to, it's very hard to, to see the, the forest for the trees or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. it, it's, it, there's a lot of people who don't have, or haven't had the time to really live it, um, to actually make their own opinion on it, but they're going to trust a slightly malformed like person who's who's not necessarily of the best intentions or even has come to that conclusion on their own it's it's a weird space so i don't i don't fault people for not grabbing onto the 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 bigger message it's yeah well it's so easy to lose so easy you know like i i remember the exact piece of the exact lecture that you're talking about at my first L1, January 2nd, 2009, Chuck Carswell delivered it. And he's like, we don't do CrossFit because we care about CrossFit. We do CrossFit because we care about fitness. Right. If we found that hula hooping on roller skates in a pink tutu was the thing that produced fitness, that is what we would do. Totally. But until somebody proves that to us, it turns out it's going to look a whole lot like 2159 of thrusters and pull-ups. Yeah, but like that—that that is so easy to have, just like go over your head. And it's yeah. so cool the experience that you got of going through multiple L ones over and over and over oh, and yeah. over again. Man, I, every time I go to an L one, every time I go through whenever I'm around one, it's like, yep, you guys have no idea what just flew right over your head because, like you're saying, you don't have the ability to contextualize it. You don't understand no. that, like you're distracted with features and you're not even paying attention to benefits. Whatever no. your goal is. Fitness is the answer. And right. that seems so fucking crazy and arrogant to say when you're on the other side of it. But, like, that's the truth. Like, oh, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're overweight, you're weak, you're slow, you need commute. Like, it doesn't matter. Throw me anything. And I'm be like, fitness is the answer. You want to make more money? Get fitter. Yeah. You want to have better sex with your wife? Get fitter. You want to have yeah. more fun playing with your kids? Get fitter. Yeah. But we're on the other side looking at that. You know, Dude, we're on the other and, side yeah. to experience that. So it's like. It's, it's really hard for someone to hear that and trust that without living. Yep. And, and yeah. uh, what, what we had going for us, I think, in the early days, and to hearken it back, this is, I think, what you and I have talked about, Chuck, is, is the game of telephone. We were in the first two people. So the original, yeah. in the, <laughs> back in the original days, only, we only did CrossFit from CrossFit.com. We only yeah. did it, it. straight from the horse's mouth. So it was like we're going to the wellspring. Doing, yeah. You weren't doing my version of CrossFit.com, which is inevitably mm. going to be slightly affected because I'm me. So I'm not I'm not the original brain who did it. So we were doing so I think the the example like because I, I, I would be really frustrated when I bumped into people who just had the totally wrong idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and like, close to the original conversation we had, but like, but then I, then I took this telephone analogy and I was like, it's, it's, I can't be mad. Like originally yep. everybody did CrossFit who came to the first L1s went to CrossFit.com and did that for at least six months where they were just following CrossFit.com. That's the only place you could get CrossFit was CrossFit.com. And then you come to a level one and then you go off and you open your gym and you're like, you know what? I'm going to try to program because I think it's awesome. And you use what you learned, plus you affect it just a little because that's good. We want to try you it not, and that's part of it. You, you know, like that's part of it. But then someone comes to your gym and they learn from you, which is a slightly affected version of CrossFit.com. It's close, but it's not quite exactly it. And then they open up their gym. And then someone learns from their slightly affected version of your slightly affected version. And then someone comes to their gym and like gyms get opened up where, where it's like, I go to a level one and I'm like, who here's done CrossFit.com? 
nobody raises their hand. 20, 20, 25 people are just yeah. <laughs> like, what's that? Yeah. Exactly. You're like, how did you even fucking get here? Well, but that's the thing is you don't need to do that now. And because it was Bingo. never a franchise, that was part of the process. So like, and, oh, and that was, that was, that, that was what we wanted to have happen. We wanted the best practices to come out of that. Um, unfortunately, in a day and age of gurus and social media, it's really easy to have people who are incredibly influential spout utter bullshit and, and, and get seen by millions of people. And you're like, this is really, well, I think it, it goes back to like, what is it that you're solving for? Yeah. Cause if like, if you're solving for fitness, then all roads will ultimately leave us back here. So long as we're both viewing fitness through the same lens. Then, but we have like, to I think through the same lens. We can't be yeah, viewing and I think, like, separate conversations. You were you were so close to the origin story. Like Tony and I had a really really long talk about this yesterday and the day before and the day before that, just from a data perspective. <laughs> that like the open source nature of CrossFit was by design because Greg knew that like he could only run so many experiments and tests on his own. Like, we've got to make this thing a whole lot bigger than it can ever be in these four walls with these people because, like, we need to solve this equation. We do have the solution to the world's most vexing problem, but, like, man, maybe there's some variables in this equation that could make it a little bit better. And we don't have the bandwidth to test it on our own, so, like, let's get the whole world doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that had so many positives. There were so many positives. I think... It changed the world. So many things have come out of, like having such a low barrier to entry and all these new little people who came in the space and, and created, you know, better range of motion standards and, and better movement standards and better rehab pieces and better coaching technology. Like, I don't know if you guys remember when you first came, but to learn how to Olympic lift when you, when I first started was like, there was like six people in the U S who could teach you at any, with any proficiency and all okay. of them taught collegiate athletes and Olympians and right. everybody else was like winging it and it was garbage. Like I, it took me forever to learn how to clean and jerk. And I am a like physically gifted individual. It just not really to mention the shoes were made out of plywood, right? Like what? it was not to mention the shoes were made of plywood back then. Right? Like, <laughs> it, was like, such, it was such an antique industry in such oh. a, a boutique spot that it was such a like you. God forbid if you could even find a barbell that spun, let alone somebody teach you what to do with it. Totally. Yeah. Let alone raise your hand if you built a pair of rings. Raise yeah, your hand right? if you built a kettlebell. Raise your hand if you built an out of stone before there were molds. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Idea. I'm just gonna do hard shit in my yard and hopefully not get the cops called. Oh, it's so it was so good. But these days, like like people bitch about the quality of coaching that exists at some of these gyms, but I'm like, that is leagues, <laughs> like leagues beyond <laughs> leagues. Like you guys like, have yeah. coaching, period. You're doing it with other people that have eyes, period. You have it's, a smartphone. You can video yourself. Like, we were in the dark, literally in the dark, just fucking freeballing, winging it. Just freeballing. And, like, what the, my, my favorite one that I do at Level 1s is, like, people people come with such a chip on their shoulders being, like, coaches are shit and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who here when you started moved worse than they do now? And it's like everybody raises their hands. You know, like nobody starts good. And I'm like, who here is severely injured to the point where they're never coming back? And you're like, no, you're all here. Like, yeah, there's niggles and tweaks and pains along the way, but it's like, like we have to start shitty. Like you, you, you gotta be bad. And the same thing with coaches. You gotta start mediocre. Like you can have a good hierarchy of like, okay, safety first, things like that, but you're not going to be good until you start doing it. And you're not killing people. Even these movements done poorly are better than people not doing these movements at all. And that's just like that hierarchy of safety we talked about in the very first lecture. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I think that we've come to a great place and there's so many things happening and there's, there's so many people wanting to be better, but I think there's also a lot of negativity around like just this overall, what we do basis right? I mean, and, and most people don't even know what they're doing at the end of the day they're just they're doing something and they're, they're absent of any real personal journey so they have no choice to either pick it apart or pursue someone else's path get lost in the journey i think like the biggest the the beauty of crossfit is also its curse right and that it's it's so elegant it can be applied and implemented full stop to no matter who comes into it but that's also its biggest risk right because anybody can interpret their own version, their reality, their own experience with it. 
But that's, I think we talked about this before on a call was that, you know, everybody can define CrossFit, but almost nobody can explain the application or implementation of CrossFit, right? They're all like, oh, man. what is CrossFit? They're like constantly very, I'm like, no, no, no. What does it do? They're like, functional movement? No, no, no. Like, they just, <laughs> that is a compound conflict? Let alone unpack. Does it work? I mean, let alone unpack. Like, yeah. like I, I go, I, I, this is what I found out through a lot of my coaching development is we created these huge, robust coaching development platforms, like written ones and in-person ones and all these other things. And I would go back to the basics and I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, what is fitness? And most people couldn't give me the definition. And then they'd give me the definition. And they'd be like, work capacity across broad time modal domains. And then I'd be like, great, that's cool. What's work capacity? And it would just be blank stare. Like they'd never thought past like what is work capacity. And I'm like, oh shit. Like we're not like, we're doing well because you believe in my interpretation of this. Like that, that's why we're doing well because you're executing on, you trust me and I'm, I'm, my wife is the amazing programmer and you trust her, which is great. Like trust her because she's really good at what she does. And that's awesome. And we, we did fantastic. We multiple gyms, 400 members at each one of these gyms and they were, people were getting more fit than they've ever been. Like taking people from never, couldn't stand up an air squat to putting 315 pounds over their head, like crazy stuff but they had no concept of what they were doing. And that's in, in all honesty, they don't need to, but they need to be following. They need to be like, they should want to unpack that as they go on, you know? And, and on a very basic level, like you need to be continually asking why, or what is this? Or like taking it a, a little bit deeper. And, and I think, I mean, I, I, I always go back to this quote that I, I, uh, I, what was it? It's Aragon, the the like kids book. Have you guys seen yeah. Aragon, like about the dragons? Yeah. yeah. And there's a quote in it from like the guru guy in that where he's like talking to Aragon. And he's like, you know, Aragon, you gotta believe really deeply in what you do because like it, it allows you to have purpose and meaning and direction and stuff. But you can't believe in it so deeply that you can't that you can't see beyond it to a greater truth. And I think that that's how we have to view programming. That's how we have to view most things is like, you have to believe that what you're doing is right. Because if you don't, like, then, then you need to change. But you sure. can't believe so deeply that you can't see beyond it to something that might be a little bit better. And I think that that's always the vision we have to have when we're coaching, when we're queuing, when we're teaching, when we're, when we're looking and analyzing our stuff. Like, it's got to be like, I believe wholeheartedly in this. And I believe in the people who are making me do it. But I also want to constantly question it and be like, is there something greater beyond this? Because I think that, that that'll lead us to a much better place. And so far, anybody who I've seen do that tends to work their way back around to being like, all right, I see the value in constant very functional movements executed at high intensity with a single workout a day and a lot of coaching focus and all these other things. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, yeah. All of us that are in that OG camp, right? None of, there's some, I shouldn't say none, but like, Almost everybody, you, Spieler, us, like all of us are now off playing, right? We're just grown ass kids again, right? We've all yeah. like taken and applied <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it, it's essentially the coolest thing ever to be, you know, 40 years old and I can go do all these still things because like I'm old, you're still the boy wonder, Pat. But like, you know, be able to do those things is, is still really fun. And I think that it comes down to one thing that is probably just missed in, in just training in HQ alone is that they don't, I'm not even sure HQ understands the process because we're all still living it, right? Like the process, and we've talked a lot about this with our clients this week in, in terms of them defining their core process in the gym. And they're all like uh, deer in headlights, but it's the same sort of conversation, even if it applies to, to CrossFit because everybody's like, if I ask you, what's the process of CrossFit? They're like constantly varied functional movement. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> the exact same experience right there's there's one phase process one is awareness process two is like is that learning phase where you're just trying to actually get past that whole thing or the indoctrination phase awareness phase and then there's like that last phase which i think takes like 10 years honestly oh, process, where you're like it's super oh, super super cool. interesting and like um, oh, there was it's missed yeah, I was trying to find the uh, the quote on belief that Pat was talking about, so we could get the actual quote. But there was a really interesting one that I stumbled across uh, by Lewis Aragon that I think speaks to this both on like the application and the client side, like our own personal fitness journeys, but also just everybody goes full circle. We know that the nature of genius is to provide idiots with ideas twenty years later. 
And it's like, here's all of us. And we're like, holy shit, Greg was so smart. There's so much. You know, like, regularly learn and play new sports. It took me like, you know, years and years and years to get it. Greg was like, you guys get the fuck out of the gym. Go do amazing yeah. with your fitness. It's going to help us bring more people into our community. You're going to be healthier. You're going to be more well-rounded. You're going to understand fitness. We're all like, I'm going to get better at exercise. Dude, yeah. it's, it's, it's wild because like, like Greg had a lot of failings and I just like, in, and that's, that's just a reality. We all do, you know, but like he was, we, he was brilliant when it came to the methodology and everything that he did. What the, the things he put definitions to the way he spoke about things, there was a certain level of simplicity to what he was saying that you're like, Oh yeah. But then what, what's crazy to me is every time I unpack it and go deeper, or challenge it and want to push on it. There's depth. There's like so much. statements. Like, like I, I constantly challenge everything that we do because I've been in it so long. It's been 18 years. Like, there's of course you're gonna have doubt. Well, maybe intensity leads me to die an early death. Like, maybe like my knees are gonna be broken forever. Maybe like always want to unpack. Okay, maybe the anatomy that we talk about, the depth of range of motion in a squat. That's not the range, right range, but and like. You, all the time with a lot of my my older staff members we sit down and we pick apart these lectures you know and like we we get really nuanced with it like we'll we'll go into being like why is the 10 general physical skills called the 10 general physical skills which is a list of physiological adaptations versus the hopper model which is a test of skills and drills why don't we change the name skills you know like we we like we, we are constantly unpacking these pieces and being like, well, is this true? And every time I do, it's like occasionally I'll find like something that could maybe be worded a little differently. And then I look past it. and I'm like, damn it. It was worded that way for a reason. You know, like yeah. and, and it, it, it like we want to find I think as any curious individual would, we want to find fault with things. You want to find, OK, where maybe this isn't curious. True. You're curious. And you, Dude, you I think that's be. part of what makes a great coach. Like a great coach is endlessly curious. Like, why are you the way you are? Why does this problem exist? How can right. we solve this problem? How can we solve it better? But you said so a really interesting yet. word, like nuance. And so this is a quote that I fucking love that I've really come to later in the coaching game. But the novice finds novelty in variety. The expert finds novelty in nuance. Mm-hmm. Like, I am mm-hmm. endlessly fascinated by watching normal humans walk in the airport. I could oh, look yeah, at yeah. like fucking ankles, knees, hips, sh- like I could just watch people move <laughs> through day. life Waddle. all day long. But like early in the journey, I'm like, I got to watch these hook grip videos. I got to, you know, go and look at these high level movements. And you're like, nah, man, it's all the nuanced, super tiny shit. Learn to fall in love with like the most boring basic pieces. And that's the secrets of the universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I think. Not directly in that vein, but one of the things that that we find as we coach is like most people respond the same way to the same thing. So like when I get a class of 30 people, I can through process of like coaching for a number of years and refining my cues and movement and speech patterns and stuff, I can get all 30 of those people like for the most part moving pretty damn well in a snatch. Like it's not hard, even if I've never met them before. What's now fascinating are the people who don't respond the same way. You know, right. like what's now fascinating is when I throw out a cue that works 98% of the time because that's just how it works and they blow it. And you're like, oh, that's exciting. <laughs> you're like, whereas, whereas like initially that's really overwhelming because you're like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I'm in charge yeah. of all these people and I don't know how to make them better. But what you realize is like most people respond the same to the most things. So like when, when coaches get – and we. I think you and I have talked about this before, but when 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 you get into it, you have such a limited skill set. You know, you have a, such a limited number of yeah. things you can do. You got like you got a hammer, and you're hoping that everything's nails. And you're like, Sweet. <laughs> and like, you're hitting screws with nails, and you're like, well, that kind of worked. It pushed it into the wood, but it broke. I mean, it didn't not work. But like most things were nails, and you're like, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. And then and then you realize there's this other tool, the screwdriver, and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you're looking for screws everywhere and you're like, check this out. This screwdriver now works. I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> but then you want to screw everything and you got the nail and you're like, this goddamn DeWalt drill such a piece of shit now. <laughs> exactly. And so, and, but, but what my favorite, well, not my favorite, but the thing that I see happen all the time is they, they find that like, oh man, I love, that's a bad way to say it. I love screwing. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I love using the screwdriver and, and you talk to everybody like the nails don't even exist anymore. And you're like, no, 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 no. Everybody's using hammers. Y'all got to use these screws. Like, <laughs> just lost the hammer behind. And it's, and then, and then you get past it and realize that, oh my God, there's a bunch of different kinds of tips that you could use for screwdrivers. Like there's a star bit and there's like a square bit and there's a Phillips head and, and you get in the weeds of that and you're like, well, let me find all these little nuancey pieces. And you forget that some people just need to be hit with a hammer. And you're like, and, and you're like I got to go back to the hammer now. And then like, <laughs> years down the road, you've got all these specialized tools and you find yourself mainly using a Phillips head screwdriver and a hammer. Yep. And you're like, it's cool that I have all these tools and I know they all exist. But most of the time I'm using this hammer and this Phillips head screwdriver and just making 98% of shit happen. And then when people pop up who are that hex hex bit, you know, yeah. punch in drywall screw, you're like, yes, I can use my tools. It's, yeah. it's I mean, to, to most people who don't understand tools might not have got those analogies, but it's like you realize that <laughs> way down journey. the road, most yeah. of it is just the basics. So to yeah. be mad at people who only have the basics is silly because they're doing so much good. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's like, that's, that's to me in coaching development, when I tr help people, it's like, let's get them these basic principles. And the way right. you show them that is by modeling it, show them these basic principles by how you run a class, how you speak about things, how you don't overcomplicate things and then, and make it big and dumb and have them copy that. And then they can go through their own journey because as much as I want to say that I want to walk someone from that first part to that end part, you've got to be the turd nope. in the middle who's using the screwdriver when they shouldn't. And you have to. Who gets all the yeah. different fancy tools and tries to use them and is saying that these tools suck. Like you have to. You can't it's a lot it. of just not knowing who you are on the job site, right? I mean, if we're sticking with the same set of analogies, like the entire coach's journey, so to speak, starts at a phase that they don't really accept and understand. And that's like the learning phase. But like... That first whole chunk of who you are is is essentially the is the teacher phase. I just lost my my thing, but is and from there, everybody doesn't understand that like that's who they are, right? They're like they're so busy showing up with tools. Instead, all they had to really do is move themselves to a coach, and then when you get to be a coach, you just understand that like rather than showing up being like on the job site with your screwdriver and your hammer, and you're like everybody's got to be able to figure this out. Later on as a coach, you just show up and you're like, what kind of tools am I going to need? And then you deploy those. I think yeah. that's the part of the coach's journey that ends up getting lost on so many people because they're like, I'm a coach. And then they show up with their toolbox and I'm like, that's yeah. a trainer. You're a trainer. You're not a coach yet because coaches show up with no tools and they're like, Pat's a screw. Somebody give me a screwdriver. Right? Like, And that's, that's really the difference in it. And that's, I think, that's the reason why I want, I'm happy that you're on here because for a lot of people, a lot of people that are listening to this, the coach's journey is important because I don't think anybody really talks about that, right? Like everybody knows how to get started in CrossFit. It's you know, level one, level two, three, four, but like that's the extent of any framework of the coach's journey that anybody knows, right? Like they're like, oh, I guess I'm going to do my level two now. Then I'm going to do my three. And I'm like, for what? Right? Those are great things, but like, why are you doing them? Right. And they know they're like, uh, that's what's next. But you are by all definitions, like, the quintessential professional coach, right? Like when we talked about this in the last call, what I think is interesting about you, the one and only Pat Barber, you followed a pretty unconventional, but also conventional approach. Like most coaches, they know how to start, but they don't know how to, how to finish, right? They're not really sure where their, their end game is. And so most of them are just like, I guess I'm going to own an affiliate one day. And like, you kind of went your own path always, right? Like, and that led you through some, pretty normal, but also some unconventional things. So maybe we could talk a little bit about like what your coach's journey was like from like you, know, you being the, the film boy um, was ultimately like cast for like a porn director, almost like, can you hold the camera? Um, like, I think I don't want to say yes to this, but yes. Um, so what, uh, so tell, I guess everybody a little bit about like what you would consider your coach journey because you are unconventional, but you are the, you should be the target avatar for all those people because like, I'm not saying you've made it, but you've definitely made it. Well, I think – well, I appreciate that, first off. And I, I think I am unconventional in the sense that I've found a way to make the profession of coaching 
work the way I wanted it to work. And I think there are a number of ways to make that work. Uh, I think the boys at Active Life actually do a pretty good job of creating a professional coach of like building a a one-on-one sort of relationship with people and charging a higher price point and fixing uh, broken people and offering personalized programs. I think that is definitely one route that a lot of professionals can take who want to be professional coaches. But I don't like that. Like I don't like that process on a one-on-one level. So I never wanted to head that direction. Um, And because I, I felt like what I really enjoyed was the group class. What I really enjoyed was playing to a larger group of people and having the, creating the environment and, and being, being a professional CrossFit coach, like in that regard. So I had to create avenues where that was doable for me. Um, and that started first with, you know, just being a coach and then do, going to New Zealand and being a coach there. And then I also, you know, went on level one staff and that's a way of really fast tracking your own growth just due to the nature of the the type of people that you're around. I think when you're talking about coaching development and we've kind of spoken about this a little, we did last time, but coaching development, like the number one thing you can do is be around people who are better than you at coaching and watch what they do and see it all the time and try to mimic what they're doing Uh, and your own version of it. You don't need to be them, but you need to see what really, really works and then unpack why that's working. Um, so I think after that, like of, of constant growth, like I, I realized I didn't want to go into the avenue of like selling one-on-one training. Cause that's not, I don't enjoy that. Like, and, and so I was like, how can I make this bigger? And so one was going to a, 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 a larger company like, uh, NC fit was or NorCal CrossFit. And I was like, okay, within this space, I'm going to be the type of coach where people come to my class and they're like, holy crap, that was the best class I've ever had. And every time I taught, that was my, my intention. And it wasn't to like shit on other coaches. It was like, that was the experience that I wanted people to walk away from my class with, which then made it. So I was in a position to have other coaches see that and go, okay, this is, this is what coaching should be, which then put me into the position of being the coaching developer. So now I'm coaching coaches. So that's, that's, that's where I took that was like, how can I use my skills to coach other coaches? Okay. That's, that's where I am there. Um, and then I just had to kind of continually figure out ways to make what I was doing hit more people. And so if I was coaching coaches, then each one of those coaches was going out and coaching more coaches. Um, and I had to constantly seek avenues to where I could use my skills on a bigger and bigger platform. Um, right. so to speak in order to end up in the place that I'm at, which is coaching for Adam, which is I can coach three people through a session, make it really, really amazing and have a hundred million watch that session and get as much as they can from that. It'll never be as good as me being there with them, but it's the the avenue I've taken that allows me to, to do that. I also have a unique background in being in film and stuff because I had that. So being on camera was very comfortable. Casting coach goes a long way. I mean, yeah, I think that like maybe that's a that is a piece of actionable coaching development that a lot of people could take away is if you feel like you are good at delivering things, video yourself. Oh, my God. Run yeah. that litmus test. Yeah. <laughs> you think that you're like a fucking man. You're like, I'm so good at using my words and talking. And then you watch the video and you're like, holy oh. shit, who hired that guy? Yeah. You video yourself. If like if you're a coach out there and you want to just get better. If you have no other resource, just like Pat was saying, find those nuggets in your own coaching and then figure out how do you get to more nuggets with less words faster. That's that's an amazing thing that is super accessible to everybody. Just like video, yeah. a whiteboard brief. Yeah. But make I mean, sure you have nothing coming after it because you're going to feel real bad about yourself. Right <laughs> yeah, don't really going into a sales Set aside some safe space so you can process your emotions <laughs> safely and on your own. Um, and then, yeah, then go. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of little things that you can do like that to where you realize that things, you know, things become automatic uh, for better or for worse. Like if you're not put in a position of people being like, hey, why'd you do this, this and this? Some things be, can become automatic that you don't unpack. And one of the drills I used to have some of our coaches do is I'd be like, I want you to pretend that you're running a class. And I want you to write down literally every piece from when you walk in the door to when you finish that class. 
What's that going to look like? And for, for, for someone who's really thought that out, you know, it's as, it's as detailed as like, okay, I walk in, I say hi to the person at the front desk. I lock eyes with anybody in the room and I give them a solid wave. I walk down the hallway. I check both trash cans to make sure that they're not full of trash. I walk in, I look at the whiteboard, <laughs> members in the gym. I get a sense of the feel for the gym. I go to the whiteboard. I see what's written up there. Make sure it double checks with this piece on my app. You know, I, I do all these things. Like I set up my question of the day. Like there's this process you can unpack that's really, really happens organically. But if you think about it, you can see each one of those pieces. And what I noticed is that less experienced coaches have these massive gaps in what they're 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 doing where they don't know. They're just like responding to what's happening. There's no process there because they haven't done it enough. They need to have kind of like lived it and they, they can't even visualize what they're doing. They can't close their eyes and run someone through that. And you can do that for a full class or you can do it through a movement. Like, so right now, if, if I were to pretend to coach somebody through an air squat, like I could close my eyes, have nobody here and be like, okay, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Pat. All right, let's right. go through this air squat. First thing we're going to talk about is our stance. All right, no, no, a little wider with your stance. No, a little bit narrow right there. Okay, now shift your feet out a little bit. All right, stand nice and tall. This is going to be your stance for each one of these movements. Let's try not to move from here. I want you to go up into your toes. Okay, now shift back to your heels. All right, now sit. Now go between those two. All right, relax. That was good. No, no, a little bit further back. All right, chest nice and tall. When I say down, you're going to go down. When I say up, you're going to come up. It's going to look like this. All right, ready and down. All right, stand up. I love what you're doing there. You shifted your toes a little bit. We're just going to focus on keeping our weight in our heels. All right, stand up and down. All right, there it is. Okay, I settle and stand. All right, next thing we have to layer onto that is our knees pushed out. On this next one, we're going to focus on the heels and the knees pushed out. So I'm not teaching anyone right now, but that's the general process like you go through. And I can we visualize. We just taught everybody listening. Everybody just got a master class <laughs> in the air squat by the. <laughs> but it is so true. It's like you don't you don't get a chance to appreciate that most people do most things mostly the same. Like a quote right. that we use internally endlessly is people be people in. People be and people like, be people for sure. But like find, the, you find like that hammer and nail connection. You're like, cool. Coaching gets a whole lot simpler later in the game when you have a chance to strip back. Like these will get me 90% of the way with 90% of people. But it yeah. takes a long time to figure out what that is, especially as you guys will talk about, like if it has to be true to your own identity and your own belief system of like coaching and fitness and what you're trying to do and deliver. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I and I, I urge you to unpack that for yourself. I urge yeah. everybody to be like that. Okay, if I'm teaching someone this, do I need someone to respond to? Or do I have something I'm going to do and then within that respond? Like, because in everything that we do, we should be obviously looking to see what's happening. <laughs> so, but we should have this process <laughs> that, we, that we go through that, that, that I could have no one here and, and run through that and know that things are going to happen. I, I find that, especially teaching level twos, I'll be like, okay, so what's your plan? And their plan is, okay, I'm going to make them do the full movement and respond to what's in front of me. And I'm like, well, that'll work sometimes. <laughs> so what if I had to unpack it, you know, and there's just, there's nothing there. And, uh, and I, I urge coaches to do that just on a basic level for every single movement, whether it's a muscle up or a push up or a squat, like have this plan that you're going to go through and tick things off along the way. So yeah. Anyway. And then, like, on the other side of, like, that same continuum, keep in mind that, like, anything's better than nothing. And even, like, exposure to, like, a garbage session of push press coaching, fucking everybody's coming out of the backside a little bit fitter. Like, it's okay. Like, (laughs) be okay fucking up, failing, missing, being sloppy. And, like, that's part of what makes it beautiful and incredible. Absolutely. Because there is the other side of that. Like, I've had these coaches who I, I put through a class, a coaching development session. And I'll, I'll be like, there could literally have been nobody in front of you. And that would have been the exact same session. Right. So like they have all the words and they're saying all the right stuff, but there could have been nobody in front of you. And it would have been the exact same process. You didn't talk to a single person. You talked to all of them, said all the right things, but made no changes. I'm like, I'm, and it's, it's bizarre when you see that because there's this dissonance, like this person just – like presenting and delivering and freaking no connection. And you're like, huh. And it's that whole other end of the spectrum. Someone who's truly reactionary and only responding to what's in front of them. And the other person's on the other thing, and the thing who's like in their own little world, 
delivering all the content because they have all the bullet points. They're just but presenting they a class of yes. goats, and they would do the same class. You know, like we uh, so. we talk a lot about that actually in a, in a course, which is like the six pillars of of a professional coach, which is not about like developing their skill set. It's literally just the phases that a coach will go through as they develop these pillars, and they go from essentially, you know, the researcher you all we all start as to a teacher. You know, and then honestly, as they move themselves up to like coaching. But I think that brings us to the one other part of this is that I think a lot of people pursue coaching as an opportunity, but they don't understand that they're stepping into an obligation. And that I think brings a lot of weight to it, where it's like, this seems like a lot of fun, but there's a big differentiator between those of us who are drawn to this because we're like, this seems like something to do. And then there's all the rest of us who are just like, I'm obligated to do this. That sounds altruistic, but. That's knowing that like you, I'm not going to leave this situation with one or 20 clients until I have solved the problem, right? Like right. if you need me, well, I'm stuck. But then what they don't realize is when you develop the coaching skill set, it never turns off, right? Then everybody who's around you, your wife, your family, your friends, you find yourself coaching them being like, why do you think you did that? And they're like, don't, not right now. Please stop coaching me. I'm like, sorry, I don't want to do that. Um, but I think that's all driven by those the early days for so many of us, the power of a just cause, right? Like right. I think the thing that really drove you and it drove the rest of us is that like, it was always about, I don't like to use the word legacy, but it was always about legacy. Like none of us wanted to become a personal trainer because when we were back then, it was so obvious we're going to change the world. There was no chance we weren't going to change the world because that just cause was so powerful back then. So the idea of personal training was already failed. It was like, right. I can only help like 10 or 15 people. I'm trying to literally change the entire county, state, region. Hmm. So like scale was the only option. And like, that's why the group class for all of us back then made so much sense. It wasn't about like more people, more money. It was like, it was exponential reach. And so oh. however you pursued that. And I think maybe that drives a lot of us that are old school. I mean, maybe it's just because we're just crotchety old men. Now we just whine about back in our day. But... I mean, I think that that part's missing from a lot of the new journeys where they're just like, they're distracted by the opportunity. They don't understand the obligation. They don't understand the why versus the what. And a lot of that just comes from time. But I think there's a real easy way for you to step back and realize that even if you're a new person, a new coach, like if you're going to change the world and you can, like you just got to think bigger. And so in following that, the sky's the limit. That's why I think it's cool to see like coaches, people like you who have done that and have been able to increase that reach exponentially without just, I don't want to say, but basically pigeonholing themselves and owning an affiliate, right? Like owning an affiliate is an exponential reach, but even that, it gets you limited to like 150 key relationships, which is yeah. better than 10, but I mean, you can reach thousands. You could, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. I think especially depending on the psychology that you have, it can be incredibly overwhelming. Like if you're the type of person who actually takes on board other people's emotions, like you you have a high level of empathy to where you're almost considered an empath, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. Should you think too big, it should be more who can I help who's in front of me um, and, and letting that relationship be really organic. Um, I'm slightly cold in my larger... I don't actually bring on board other people's emotions. So for me, like I'm going to do everything I can to provide the opportunity for as many people as possible, because if it doesn't work for them, I'm not going to take that on board personally. So I think right. you just have to be cautious with who you are in your own mentality of like, is, are you going to take on board other people's failures? Right. Like you can, like, cause you can to a certain degree, but I think there's also an opportunity to like, to own it and be like, okay, what could I have done differently, you know, here, but not let it destroy you. And I think that some people would let that destroy them. Like I, I've had, I think that's one of the battles that's really difficult within a gym, even as just a normal, like coaching 10 person classes. It's like when somebody doesn't come back or they, or they go off, fall off the wagon and whatever they're doing, they have really hard shit go on in their life and they leave and you're like, what did I do? You know, like, yeah. How did I, how did I let that happen? And it, it's, it's really easy to take on board and you just have to be, you have to be resilient in, in, in that, that regard of like, that's going to happen. Like we call you it, can't yeah. fix everyone. 
we call it surgical call compassion is really the words that we, I mean, because everything ends up getting catchphrased around here, but it is so true. It's very easy to fall into the empathy and sympathy bucket, right? Where you're yeah. like, you can very much very quickly empathize with people or sympathize with them. But like as a coach, like surgical compassion is essentially the agreement that like, if you need my help, I'm going to help you. You might not like the help, but I'm going to do it and we're going to get the job done. It's up to you whether or not you implement it. That's not the same as like, I understand. I'm sorry this happened to you. Let me, let's work through this together. Like, I don't need to understand it, but I know how to solve the problem. And right. I think that very few people, I'm with you. I'm on the same page of like, I'm very cold as a coach. People are like, I PR'd. I'm like, you were supposed to. You did everything you were supposed to. You hit all the numbers. You've done all the progression. I'm not cold like that, Tony. You, yeah. Don't you put that juju on me. But I'm like the worst. <laughs> like, maybe congratulations. Fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can go ring the bell now, right? But it's, it's that sort of same thing where it's like, you know, I, you don't get caught up in it because you're like, great, I got more work to do. And it just never ends. It's always something. Well, and I think, like, I think that might be, like, the cool capstone to end it on is like it comes back to all three of us as coaches have our own very defined identities and so like we're all very comfortable executing in very very different ways at very high levels relative to you know the industry the standard the norms like don't be fucking cookie cutter be in pursuit of your own best version of yourself um and it'll save you so much like trauma and heartache to just not feel like you need to go down a path away because somebody else did it or like it's this easy insertion of yourself in some like fabricated dream identity dude the people i meet on the weekends and i coach seminars are like i want to coach on seminars we're like cool like let's explore that and you get like through you know a conversation at lunch it's like you hate flying no. you hate being in hotels you hate public speaking <laughs> you don't want to do the same thing over and over and over again like i don't know if you know this but this is not a good fit for you right well I, I think a lot of people fail to unpack what they're doing but that's i mean yes i i i really appreciate the capstone of we're all totally different um in terms of our own like we're all very effective at what we do but we can all do that in our own way I think watch people who are super effective. If part of that vibes with you, be that and do that and pursue that. But if, if, if it doesn't, then head the other direction. Like I, I, I think there's many ways to be incredibly impactful in huge spaces, like, or even in small spaces. Like it's, it's this coaching game is not super linear in my mind. It's also not super uh, cookie cutter in the sense that yeah. you need to be the same way as another, like, that was a huge learning point that I had for me was I thought people needed to be like me in order to be effective because I knew I was effective. But mm -hmm. as, as when I watched somebody who was the opposite of me be equally as effective, I was like huge right. mind blown of like, oh, you don't need to be me. You just need to be effective. Now, what does it mean to be effective? And then that's what we right. unpack, you know. Um, so I think see people you like, steal their shit become as good become like them in whatever ways but put your own little twist on it because you are what make you unique well that's yeah that's the back to that beginning of the journey so many of us in the beginning that's what we all had the beauty of crossfit way back then is it was so open source it was the only place you could go and learn from high level coaches regularly and i think that like that's a good point to end on is that like CrossFit exists in a weird space right now because a lot of people are trying to privatize their information which is interesting because the entire you know, the entire emphasis of CrossFit was the antithesis of that. Like blow this thing open, make everything free, make it available, and they're going to come to you. Right. And like, and now this, you know, there's an information industry that exists, so to speak, where it's, it's much harder to find people who are willing to share their information. So what you have with Adam, I think is very valuable to a lot of people because otherwise, and we said this in the last call, for me to, to learn from somebody like you, I would have had to have flown to Santa Cruz, California, and then hung out and, and, and chased down the ducks and look for the eggs with you, which I'm down to do, and I'll be out soon. But, um, <laughs> but they have, with Adam, they have the ability to watch somebody like you run a master class, right? And I think yeah. that that's very valuable. And I think if, if people don't understand that that resource is there, they should, they should take advantage of it, and maybe they overlook it. And I'm imploring them to go watch coaches like you coach so you can see just what it looks like when it's done really well. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, uh, I think what I urge you to do when you watch those is look at the simple things, look at the transitions, look at the, the types of cueing that are used, look at the general framework for patterning of speech, like look at for the simple things. Cause that's, that's what I think those things highlight. Well, it's just like, 
you got three people on camera or on class. And I also have to speak to a camera and like, let's look at the pacing of the class. Let's look at the engagement with the people, like those kinds of things. So, right. yeah. For sure. yeah, you're definitely, so I guess if people want to find more information about you, how do they find Adam? How do they find you? How do they chase down a day in the life of Pat can't make girls? You, you can find me at me on Instagram at Pat can't make girls because I only produce Y chromosomes apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, you you can find uh, Adam at Adam uh, Affiliate on Instagram or train.adam. Um, and then you can also check all our stuff on RPM. We've done a bunch of really funny content recently. Um, we got this whole series with me and this guy, Connor, the guy who's in. Connor is, he tests all the workouts for Dave Castro for yeah. the games. Uh, and he's this 6'3 stud of a kid who's an amazing coach as well. But we just sat and bullshitted on uh, talking about stuff like we were, and it's very fun. Um, so we're releasing a series of those, so check those out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, All right, thank, thank you, you, gentlemen. for uh, jumping back on with this. I, I really like how this one came together. Let's do it again yeah. and again and again. Okay. Let's just produce just every, them. Just every week. <laughs> It'll just be uh, the, the saga of Pat. It'll be great. All right, there guys. It is. We'll see you on the next one. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks, dudes. Thanks for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If this was helpful to you and you would like to jump on a one-hour call to solve one problem for free, click the link.